This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women and addiction. Welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast. Uh, I am your host here. I'm Amy and I'm your host. And uh, this is episode 170 about motivation. And I'm a sex addict. I forgot that part. I'm a sex addict and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about motivation today. Uh, This is a common question that I get. A lot of people email me or when I talk to people, they ask, like, how do you stay motivated? Like, you've been at this for a long time. Like, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated to stay sober? How do you stay motivated to keep working on your recovery? Sometimes they find out I'm still in therapy and they're like, how in the hell can you be in therapy for this long? So I get a lot of questions like that. And so I wanted to uh, talk to you and share some ideas about motivation today. How do you stay motivated? So the first thing I just want to say is like, this is super hard. Finding and staying motivated is super hard. Um, I've been into this for, um, like I said, I've been into recovery for almost 10 years and it's still hard. It's still hard to find and stay motivated, but it's something that's important to me, right? I read recently, so we're just one month into the year, right? We're in February, we're one month into the year. And uh, recently a for- in the Forbes magazine, they printed an article about how this is the month where New Year's resolutions <laughs> fail, right? So 80% of people fail or stop their resolutions in the month of February. Um, so yeah, this is this is a hard thing for everybody, regardless of whether you're in addiction recovery or you're just trying to change your life in a certain area or way. Motivation is hard. Motivation is super hard. Um, this is the time when like gym memberships start to fall off. This is a time when goals stop. Um, this is a time when depression rises in February. I think that's why we make such a big deal of Valentine's Day. Because it's like trying to medicate their failure for uh, the goals that we set at the beginning of the year. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of things that go into motivating yourself to do something. So I wanted to talk first a little bit about why is it hard? Um, I think there's some aspects of this that are just part of human nature. But I also think there are some aspects of this that have to do with faulty thinking of addiction. Um, addicts tend to fall into all or nothing thinking, right? Like it's either all good or all bad and there's nothing in the middle. So if I fail or if I mess up, that's all bad. And so I just quit, right? That all or nothing, all or nothing thinking. And we know that's not true. We know that that's not how it works, but we can definitely talk ourselves into that. Um, I also think people fail because they are not playing the long game. 
or they lack motivation because they're not playing the long game. They have very short-term thinking. I will do this for a few weeks. I will do this for a few months. And while that might be a short-term motivation strategy, which I have used for sure, it's also not setting yourself up for the long game and knowing that change is a long-term process. Recovery is a long-term process. Uh, Why else do we lack motivation? Because change is hard. It's just hard. Um, if we have been doing something, something, something a certain way for a long time, then changing that is hard. Uh, and so we have to really push against that. Um, I think sometimes we also lack motivation because we're programmed for crisis. Um, addicts are definitely seem to be programmed for crisis. So we can handle something traumatic or something difficult in the moment but we're not able to maintain that and so we crash. This goes into the like not playing not playing the long game. But our childhood typically, if you have an addiction, your childhood has typically set you up to have this cycle of trauma like hold it together and then crash, hold it together and then crash, hold it together and then crash for whatever reason. And it's a cycle you maybe have played out lots of times. You play it out every time you say, I'm not going to act out ever again. And you hold it together, but you don't really do anything to like figure out why. And so you end up acting out again and you crash. And so we go through this cycle and we kind of set ourselves up for that. And when we're talking about longer term change, we have to examine that. Um, so these are just a few of the of the ways or reasons that I think sometimes we really struggle as addicts with motivation. Again, I think everybody does in the world, but I think we might have a few things that set us up for that uh, to be a little bit harder. So the question is, how do you change and how do you maintain motivation? And I think this is a personal, a highly personal pro- uh, process. I'm going to share with you some of the things today that I have, I have done that I have found helpful. But I also think that you need to really examine what's going to be helpful for you. Typically, we start, when we're looking at change, we start with some external motivation. Um, we start here because someone tells us we need to change. So we have this external pressure. Or maybe we got caught. And so we have this external pressure Um, or we just see something outside of ourselves and we want some kind of reward. Uh, We see this a lot with diet mentality, right? I just want some kind of reward. And so I want to look better. I want to, you know, be thinner. I want a relationship. And so I'm going to do something, but it's very externally motivated. I sometimes call this like fast food mentality um, because Fast food mentality is about getting what you want without having to prepare or maintain the supplies for food, right? Actually, cooking at home requires you to prepare, uh, requires you to have food on hand, requires you to maintain some supplies. But fast food mentality or eating out all the time does not require any of that from you. And so we have become a society in the United States for sure that we eat out a lot. And it's this idea that I don't have to prepare or maintain the supplies, right? I don't have to stay motivated. I can just decide what I want to eat. I can go someplace and I can get it instantly. At some time, though, that motivation has to turn internal, right? We start with this external motivation. But at some point in time, that motivation has to become internalized. 
we have to move from external reward to internal reward. And internal motivation, at some point, we have to find and sustain long-term change. If we don't have internal motivation, we are not going to be able to find or sustain any long-term change. We actually have to change our beliefs about who we are. And it takes a lot of personal internal examination. I have a... Um, uh, affirmation. Sorry, like I forgot that word for a second. I have an affirmation that I read or recite because I have it memorized. Recite to me daily. I've done this for this same one for years because it's so important to me. But it says motivation comes to me from the inside. I am my own motivator. And I started reciting that years ago. So just again, one more time. Motivation comes to me from the inside. I am my own motivator. I started reciting that. I wrote that down. I wrote it and started reading it when it wasn't true, for sure. I was very externally motivated. Um, but I kept reading it and I kept saying it every day, every day, every day, every day. Motivation comes to me from the inside. I am my own motivator. Because I knew that if I was going to sustain long-term change, I had to figure out how to be my own motivator. I couldn't have my therapist be my motivator, my sponsor be my motivator. I couldn't have some external reward of healthy relationships or healthy sex or anything like that. I couldn't have those be my motivators because that's all external. And I have to be internally motivated if I was going to sustain long-term change. That's the only way that it works. And so I started telling myself that over and over again. It wasn't true at the beginning. For sure it wasn't true at the beginning. Sometimes, most days it's true now. Most days. There are still some days when I feel very externally motivated. And that's okay because that's just part of the, prog part of the process. And that's what helps me also to keep moving. Sometimes that motivation is fluid a little bit. However, most days I am very internally motivated. So I came up with a little formula, little formula because I'm a math geek and that's what I do. Uh, a plus B plus C is going to equal motivation. Okay. A plus B plus C is going to equal our motivation and therefore the change that we want. Right. A is going to be our internal belief system. We're going to examine our internal belief system. B is going to be our core values kind of that core sense of self. And C is going to be a plan because we always have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to fail, right? Um, and that's going to equal our motivation. If any of those things are out of whack, then we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle for sure with finding motivation. So we're going to examine each of these three areas, our internal core beliefs, our internal belief system, our core values, our sense of self, um, and then see a plan, okay? So that's what we're gonna spend a little time on each of those. So A is our internal belief system, okay? One of the fundamental pieces of long-term recovery is examining your internal beliefs, which are usually incredibly faulty. If you don't know that already, like, um, there you go, now you know. Truth bomb right there. When we start to examine our internal core beliefs, we realize that they're very faulty and we have to start to challenge them. 
These faulty beliefs can eat away at motivation faster than anything that I know. Um, these come in the form of like, sometimes people call them shame gremlins, right? When you start to like just talk yourself down. Um, this can for come in the form of self-sabotage. We start to realize that we're successful or we're making progress and then we start to talk ourselves out of progress or we start to self-sabotage because our internal belief system says we shouldn't be, we shouldn't have success. We shouldn't make progress. Here's just a quick example from my personal history. So I decided a couple years ago I wanted to go back to school and finish my degree. And let me just tell you, <laughs> if you know anything about, well, you, you don't know about this, but school, I love school. I taught school. I love school. I love learning. I love all of that. But my personal relationship with college is not that great. Um, I have nine, no less than nine transcripts from different universities. I think I've told you before on this podcast, um, I actually got like kicked out of a school because of my failing grades, because I stayed home and acted out instead of going to finals. Um, I majored in mathematics, but I failed my calculus class twice just because I didn't show up. Not because I didn't know the content, but just because I didn't show up. Uh, and then I just... I just have a, not a great history, right? Not a great history. However, I went to school for a while, took a break. I went back and got my bachelor's degree. And then I took another break, went back and got my master's degree. And when I decided this last time that I wanted to go back and get the degree so that I could be a counselor, uh, I really struggled with that motivation um, with and with this internal core belief system. My faulty core belief system said when I was considering going back to school, it said to me, you're not that smart, Amy. <laughs> you're really not that smart. Or you're not a good writer. Why do you think you can do this? School costs too much money. You are not worth it. Why do you think you would be good at being a therapist? Like seriously, you've been in therapy for how many years? And you think you're now going to be the therapist and sit on the other side of that? Like why do you think you'd be good? You can't even stay organized in real life. Why would you think that adding school to that would be helpful? Or you have failed once. Why are you trying this again? Like you're a failure. That was some of the internal belief systems that I really had to challenge and I really, really had to look at. Um, so if these are your internal beliefs, right, and you don't examine them, you're kind of sunk before you begin because you're not going to be able to sustain motivation. You're not going to be able to sustain that change. And we have to start examining these beliefs and talking back to them if we want motivation. I have a whole series of podcasts about talking back and affirmations and things like that. So if that's what you need, go listen to those podcasts. Many times those externalized voices that we had in our life have been internalized. And that's why we call it an internalized belief system. It's not necessarily our voice. It's things that people have told us, things that maybe we have thought, things that um, maybe have come from the outside, right? Like you're a failure. You failed out of school. They kicked you out of school. Uh, why do you think you want to go back? But they're not really necessarily what we believe about ourselves. Because if I really didn't think I was smart, I wouldn't teach, right? If I really didn't think I was smart at some point in time, I wouldn't do what I do. Um, I wouldn't podcast. I wouldn't put out ideas. I wouldn't put out thoughts because why would I do that if my thoughts are stupid, right? right. 
So some of the things that I had to start talking and giving back to myself and when given the right support, I am awesome at school. That is true. When I give myself the right support, I am awesome at school. I am smart and capable of learning. I have to tell myself that all of the time. School is an investment in myself and in my future. Failure is part of the process. I know I can't do what I did before when I failed, so I have to do something different. But failure is part of the process. If we don't call out these faulty beliefs, if we don't name them, if we don't say them out loud, if we don't get them out of our heads, motivation cannot come from the inside because it's this faulty core belief system that is driving. And we will always, therefore, be externally motivated. And external motivation does not last for very long. You know that. I know that. So the first step to internalizing motivation is to really examine those core, core beliefs, right? Those fault, they're probably faulty, but also examine the real ones. But your internalized belief system and sort that out. So if you're trying to do something, you might want to list out what are what are those shame gremlins that come in? What is it that I'm telling myself about this that makes me feel like maybe I can't do this? So I'd encourage you to really start to examine those beliefs, pull them out, start talking back to them in order to change your internal landscape so that you can make room for some motivation. Okay, that was the A part of our equation. The B part of our equation is kind of is core values or your core sense of self. This speaks to how we want to show up in life. When your core values need to be the things that are driving your behavior. When my behavior and my core values are aligned, I call this congruent. We would say someone is congruent. That's a total mathematical nerdy term that I love because it describes a lot of things. But basically, we're just saying that our values and our behaviors are aligned. When these are not aligned, we end up with problems like addiction and all sorts of other behaviors. Addiction's a big one that a lot of times happens when our values and our behavior are not aligned. When you're trying to make a change, when you're trying to find that motivation to sustain a change, you might find yourself failing at change if you have not examined what are your actual core values. This is very easily seen with money. So let me give you an example. Have you ever wondered like what happened to my money last month or last year or the last 10 years of my life? I have a friend who makes way less money than I do, like by half and who has traveled way more extensively because that is her core value. And I say it's mine. I do love to travel, but I never quite get my money allocated to that. But she does. She does a lot. And she's traveled internationally. And she's done a lot of really great, amazing trips because that is her core value. And she puts her money where her mouth is, right? Have you heard that phrase? You put your money where your mouth is? Now, I don't. I don't. I have not made that alignment, right? In that in that particular area. Um, but it's the same principle here, right? Your behavior, your time, and even your money have to be aligned with your core values. But I do know that one of my major core values is recovery. And that's because I counted it up. And I know that in the last 10 years since I started a recovery process, I have spent almost 20 $6,000. It's just a little over $25,000 um, on therapy. 
just therapy alone. Okay, so that's the different programs I've gone to, the intensives I've gone to, um, the therapy process, right? My insurance covered it for a while, but then it didn't cover it. Sometimes I felt like I needed to go twice a week because I was dealing with some trauma processing or just a variety of things. Okay, and so just on my therapeutic process, that's how much money I've spent. If you feel that is the case for you, that your um, time and your values are aligned and you're still not getting the change that you want, then you have to really dig deep and examine those values again. Because sometimes we say we value something, but we really don't, right? I say I value travel. I say I, and I do, I mean, I love to travel, but I really don't put the time or the money into that area of my life because I have been working on recovery, right? And when I kind of looked at that, when, when I was preparing for this podcast, I realized like, oh, right, no, I, I say I value travel, but what I do really value, I do really value my self-improvement process. I do really value my recovery. I knew going into this that there was, I was going to have to do whatever it took to get here. And that's what I did. And I'm okay with that now that I look back, right? And I'm going to stop beating myself up about the fact that I haven't traveled a lot in the last 10 years. And I'm going to start making that a little bit more of a priority because I do value that in my life. But sometimes we say we value something and we really don't. So maybe we, maybe you say you value recovery, but you aren't willing to put the time there to actually figure it out, right? So... In like when I started recovery, I was attending therapy twice a week and usually three uh, 12-step meetings a week. So five hours a week just just at meetings, right? Plus, I was journaling every day. I was checking with my sponsor every day. Like I did a variety of things. I had to put a lot of time into my recovery. Um, So maybe you're not willing to really put the time in to figure that out. Or maybe you're not willing to put the money in to figure that out, right? It took me a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money to figure that out. Honesty. Maybe you say you value honesty and that's really important to you, but actually you value peace more and so you lie in your relationship to keep the peace, right? Like you value peace more than you value honesty. So you continue to lie. So you've got to really look at those core values and say, where is this aligning and where is this not aligning? Where's the misalignment and how do I figure that out? I could go on forever in examples like that because I do this all the time with my coaching clients where we dig deep and look at what are you, what are you really valuing? What's really in this place here that you say it's one thing, but what are your actions telling you? If you want to really know kind of what your values are, one suggestion I'd make, at least with their time, is that you track what you do on an hourly basis for an entire week. And then calculate the percentage. How many hours, like what's the percentage of hours that you spent doing work, that you spent with family, that you spent cooking, that you spent at the gym, that you spent on recovery, that you spent asleep, right? And that will start to tell you um, it starts to give you a clearer idea of your pick of your values. There are other ways, but that's a quick exercise to start to get you to examine some of these. 
if our values are not aligned with our behaviors, then it's going to eat away at our motivation, our, especially our internal motivation, because that takes a toll on us. When we lie to keep the peace, we feel like we're, we feel like we're a failure and we feel like giving up. And then that value, right, feeds into this internalized belief that we're a failure. And so we quit and we don't stay with that internal motivation. So A, we, we examined the first two parts of our formula. A, right? A was our internalized belief system, and that eats away at our motivation really quickly, our internal motivation. B, that's that congruency part, that our values are aligned with our behavior, that eats away at our internal motivation. And the last part of our formula here, A plus B plus C, C is our plan. I could talk for hours about planning. Um, I did this for a living for my job. Uh, I was an implementation director at a company for a while. And then I was a strategic planning consultant for a while. Um, and so this is what I did all day long. I would go into an organization. People would hire me. They were going to make some kind of change. They were going to implement some new computer system or something like that. They would hire me to come in and go through a process and help them write a plan and help them figure out how do I do this in a way that is doable for me and for my company? If you want to know a little bit about a recovery plan, a basic recovery plan, go back to episode one. My very, well, it wasn't my first episode because there's an episode zero, but episode one, I lay out what a really good recovery plan looks like. Um, and that's because that was essential for my recovery. And later this month in February, we're going to do a revisit of what that plan could look like because it's important that we continue to revisit what is my recovery plan. I'm going to have a recovery plan for the rest of my life. And that's something I had to accept, right? Something that I had to really look at about myself it's going to ebb and it's going to flow and it's going to change and all sorts of things. And it has to be updated to where you're at in your recovery right now. But if you are just starting out or if you haven't really looked at a recovery plan in general, go back to episode one. Uh, there's a link in the show notes and you can listen to that episode and, and listen to what your recovery plan, some really key components to your recovery plan, or stay tuned for later this month where we're going to do a re-examination of that. So there is our formula. A, our internalized belief system, plus B, our core values, our core sense of self and being congruent in that, plus C, a plan, equals motivation. And that might be external at first. And if it doesn't get internalized, that motivation doesn't come from inside, right? Motivation comes to me from the inside. I am my own motivator. And if you can't figure out how to make that happen, sustaining long-term change is going to be nearly impossible because that external motivation is going to eventually run out or it's gonna to have to get bigger and better, right? always bigger, always better in order to keep yourself motivated. You have to internalize motivation in order to sustain long-term change. So that's my thoughts on motivation today. I hope you find that helpful. I hope you can think about how can I internalize my motivation a little bit more and examine those faulty core beliefs, examine those core values, that core sense of self, and make sure you have a plan in order to make that happen. 
I want you to know that whatever is going on in your life today, no matter how far you think you've gone into this world of addiction that consumes us sometimes, um, no matter if you're internally or externally motivated, you are worth recovery. A hundred percent worth it. I know that. And if you don't believe that, you can lean on me until you believe that because you will one day, right? Internal motivation. It will start to show up and you'll start to believe that you are worth recovery. Um, I'm excited for what we've got laid out for this month. So um, stay tuned. Okay. I think about you. I pray for you and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.